Well, hey, everyone. My name is Stephen Sargent, and I am the host of this new podcast, Church Stories, where we explore and share stories from different ministries and churches all over New England. I'm also a church planner and pastor in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. I live there with my wonderful wife, Katie, and two daughters, Hazel and Holly. We launched Grace Church in September of 2017 and have been going strong since then. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, the goal of this podcast is to help people see the unique and diverse way in which God is working through the church planting movement and church revitalization movement all across the six states of New England right now. It's, it's so exciting to see. Uh, I moved from Texas a little over two years ago, and I noticed a difference in the way that church was done in Texas versus New England. Well, there's a lot of differences, but one of the significant uh, shifts that I've seen in how ministry is done here versus Texas is similar to how donuts are consumed in Texas versus New England. In Texas, there are local donut shops uh, on every corner. On the way to, uh, to the church that I worked at, which was just a nine-minute drive, I passed four different donut shops so a huge donut culture in Texas. Uh, and I'd passed Casey Donuts, which was my favorite. I lived in South Austin, Texas. But I also passed Donut Taco Palace number three. And they were in competition with one another. And so every time a new donut shop opened up, uh, the other donut shops weren't excited about it, obviously, because it meant that there was competition. Um, up in New England, it's different, though. Uh, there aren't a lot of local donut shops. Those are a lot harder to find. Why? Because one franchise rules all, and we all know which one that is, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, it is unbelievable the amount of Dunkin' Donuts locations in New England. Uh, the difference that I see here is every time a new Dunkin' Donuts opens, all of the other Dunkin' Donuts shops are excited about it because it's not competition. When a new Dunkin' comes in, all of the other Dunkins are excited because it's getting everyone more excited about donuts and more aware of their desperate need for one right now. So you drive past a Dunkin' Donuts sign, you might not eat at that Dunkin' Donuts, but the whole company will benefit because eventually you'll go to one of their stores. Uh, I've seen that the way that church is viewed here too. Uh, in, in other parts of the country, I don't think this is intentional, but often churches can be right next to each other and have very little inter interaction with each other. A new church will open down the road and sometimes it's seen as competition, just like the donut shops. Uh, but up in New England, I've, I've seen that there's more of a camaraderie between churches. And when a new church opens up or when another church down the road is growing, um, we collectively get excited. Why? Because as one church grows, even if it's another church down the street, the spiritual interest in the community grows. Uh, the kingdom is growing, and it often impacts not just that one church, but all the churches in town. It's, it's the old proverb, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so we've seen that here, uh, just as I've seen a Dunkin' Donut on uh, so many corners. In fact, when I first moved here, I remember sitting in an intersection and looking forward and seeing on the right side of the road a Dunkin' Donuts, and on the left side of the road, literally across the street, another Dunkin' Donuts. And I looked in the rear view mirror and no joke, I saw a third Dunkin' Donuts all within a half a mile of each other. And what's crazy is this, they all sustained. Like it was clearly meeting, like there was a demand for 
Dunkin' Donuts if all three were still operating and still seeing business? Uh, and so that excites me because I feel that there is a unity among the church here in New England. Uh, and there is a connection that pastors have for one another, pastors that, that are right next to each other, pastors in other towns, church planters um, that are in the same networks together, intentionally working together to see New England reached and have every single person in New England have at least one opportunity for them to know and to follow Jesus on their own. And so with this podcast, what you're going to see is with each episode, um, I'm just going to be talking to different church planters, different pastors, different staff members of existing churches, um, and just hearing a little bit about what God is doing in their zip code, um, what are some things they've learned in ministry, what's some advice they might give to all of us, um, especially if you're out there and, uh, and, and you're considering uh, going into full-time vocational ministry or planting a church, um, hearing what insight there might be. You may be an existing pastor or a part of another church in New England that we could glean from the insights of what they have learned. Um, and so I'm really excited to jump into this. For our first episode, I thought it'd be neat to start with a part of, the, uh, a part of New England that we often think of for vacation, that people all over the country go to, um, not for spiritual reasons, but for beach reasons. Uh, so uh, we're looking at Cape Cod, which when many of us think of Cape Cod, uh, what do we think of? We think of summer vacations, we think of weekend trips, uh, we think of eating ice cream with our families and walking on the beaches and wonderful weather outside and, and riding in the waves and all the fun stuff. Um, but there's one, uh, one person I know, a good friend of mine, Josh Adams, uh, who is a part of the same church planting network as I am and has become a good friend uh, who views Cape Cod in a different way. And he and his wife moved there and started a church there um, just a few years ago. And so I wanted to phone chat with him and just give him a chance to share a little bit about his story, some of the things he's learned, and let you guys know what God is doing uniquely special in, uh, in and through his church community at Cape Cod. So let's, let's call him up. All right, Colin, Josh. <laughs> Josh, are you on? <laughs> hey, bro, what's up, man? Hey, Josh. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for taking the time for this. This is going to be awesome. Man, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do it. This is cool. Well, I've got Josh Adams, uh, who planted a church in Hy Hyannis, Mass, uh, Cape Cod, a few years ago. Wife Kaylee, two kids. Um, where are you from originally, Josh? That's a good question. I'm not sure where I'm from. I was a missionary kid. <laughs> so my parents are Buckeyes from Ohio, but I've never really lived there. I lived in Germany and New York, uh, oh. Maryland, went to Bible college out in Missouri. So I, I'm from all over, really. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. I remember you sharing all different zip codes. So, but I know you've been up in New England for a little while, um, even before you planted. Uh, yeah. Can you just give us like a two to three minute overview story of how and why you ended up planting a church on the Cape? Uh, yeah. No, it definitely was not part of my plan, if I'm honest. Uh, but um, Cape Cod is the longest I've ever lived anywhere, moving around all the time, you know, a few years here and there. Uh, but I settled in Cape Cod almost 14 years ago, and um, I actually moved out here to be a youth pastor and awesome. um, met my wife. Uh, she's uh, from the Cape, so, you know, that tied me in. When I felt like God was closing the door on youth ministry and really put a burden on my heart for 
church planting. I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to plant on Cape Cod because I thought it was kind of cliche. I thought it was like, uh, you know, the, just, just staying where I was comfortable. I wanted to go somewhere uh, that sounded more exciting where all the demographics worked, you know, and, and I know, you know, this stuff, Stephen, the, yeah. uh, they tell you to study, study the town and see wh- which ones are growing. And there are definitely were more cities in Massachusetts that seemed appealing to planting a church. Great, great towns, great cities. Uh, I was really heavily praying over like Plymouth and Rockland, Foxborough, Bridgewater yeah. places that I was like, man, these places need churches and they're, they're growing in the Cape you know, it doesn't grow as fast as a lot of the other places yeah. in Massachusetts. But truthfully, um, I was praying for all these towns that might be a church where God would send me. And at the same time, my heart was broken for uh, some of the places down in the mid Cape. I was living in the upper Cape section of Cape Cod yeah. and about 45 minutes down Cape. Um, some of the kids from my youth group, their family members and friends uh, were homeless, living in tents. Um, the heroin epidemic on Cape Cod is is one of the worst in all of New England, wow. and uh, my heart was broken. And I was praying that God would would do something and, and help these people, but I wasn't praying for it to be me. I was it, it, I was totally praying about other areas for where God would send me, hmm. and it was almost like one of those hello McFly moments from you know, the Back to <laughs> the Future. God kind of thumped me and he goes, it's stupid for you to leave here, Josh. These are your friends and your family members and your neighbors. Why don't you be the one to reach them? And, um, you know, when it when I settled that in my heart that uh, my backyard was the best mission field that I could find and, and was the one that God was calling me to, it didn't matter that it didn't meet all the the, the criteria they tell you to for a church plant. It, it met the criteria that God was like, this is what I've burdened your heart for. So my wife and I, we've, you know, we're, we've landed on Cape Cod. She's grown up here. We, as, as I like to say, we've burned the boats, man. We're not leaving. This is, these are our friends. These are people we've built lifelong relationships with. We're, we're committed unless God absolutely moves us somewhere else. We want to see them come to know Jesus. Man, that's awesome. It's cool too. Cause um, you, it seems like you're a little bit of a hybrid of a lot of church planters that you and I know are from other parts of the country and they're moving into an area that's brand new to them. And then you've got others that are homegrown from there and they've known the area very well. You're kind of a mixture of both because you spent a lot of time in the area you planted before, even though you're not originally from there. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, dude, that 10, that 10 years learning to be a youth pastor, hanging out with kids. I mean, it was good for ministry experience, but it was great for learning what it means to be a Cape Codder and, I mean, here, uh, the Cape culture is very different. They're, they're natives. You know, the people that have been here, they trace their ancestry back to the, the Mayflower. I've yeah. been here for almost I a mean, decade and a half, and they, they consider me a wash ashore. That's it's <laughs> the equivalent. Of, it's equivalent of driftwood, bro. Like, I'm, yeah. still, I'm still barely above a tourist. So, wow. But, but that's New England for you. That's, that's, yeah. that's, you know, that's the importance of relationships. So, yeah, you, know, you got to answer that. It's cool, too, because you, you see a side of – of Cape Cod that most people don't. And when most people think of Cape Cod, they don't think of the locals that live there. They think of the destination that it is for their family vacation. And, you know, they, they think of the transient culture of it being packed for a few months out of the year and then coming back. You're actually getting to interact with people that are there, like you said, generationally. That's, that's pretty unique to see. Um, oh, you're, you're absolutely right. People, they, uh, they've all seen the Kennedys and, you know, the Obama's wow. people, they, they come out to Martha's Vineyard to the Cape to vacation. When you tell people you live on Cape Cod, they're like, 
for how many weeks? And you're going to know like wow. year round, bro. Like I live here year round. Man, that's so it's cool. Like, it's, well, it's definitely different. And the people that live here year round are definitely not the people who have their second or third or fourth home here. Wow. The natives, the locals, these are the blue collar workers that, that take care of all the places, you know? So it's a, it's a, the fishing culture, the tourism culture, that's a, a much different side of Cape Cod than what most people think of. You're yeah. Absolutely right. yeah. Every time my wife and I go to like a vacation spot on the beach, we always wonder how different it would be to live here in February and in March. Like when you're just <laughs> a normal pattern of life, totally different, I'm sure. Um, beautiful and miserable is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people in New England would say that about right now in February. Um, well, hey, for those listening who have no idea about you or your ministry and just what God is up to, uh, Cape Cod, can you share a few highlights of your ministry there in the past few years? Like just bragging on God for a few minutes. Let us know about your church. Let us know some of the things you've seen. Even just like when did you launch? Just catch us up to speed. Oh, yeah. No, that's, um, uh, man, that's a crazy story. I cannot do it justice because of how, how much God has intervened and changed yeah. um, even what I thought was going to happen. The um, I started meeting in my living room when I knew that that guy was calling us. I like, honestly, it was my wife and I and uh, her, her family. So there's like five of us. And then we just started talking to our neighbors and some of our friends and we grew uh, like a little mini core group in my church in my living room for the start of Harbor church um, through January of 2016. And, um, you know, we'd spent the, the fall of, of 2015 and the beginning of 2016 just kind of talking about it and starting to meet. And uh, once it got clear that my neighbors w didn't want to like sit in my living room for church because that didn't feel like church to them and it was awkward, um, we started running out a clubhouse. And you can run out a beach clubhouse uh, in February for nothing because nobody's using it. So we had a cool clubhouse that was like our technically our first location to start trying to hold services. Oh, cool. um, and we grew maybe to about 30 people there. Um, and then they kicked us out because they wanted to get ready for the, the summer to come. And we got a little storefront. And it was while we were doing the storefront that uh, I got invited uh, by the Send Network and, and part of being, the, you know, just being part of NAM and PCNE. I got to go up and just kind of talk to pastors and do, um, you know, vision casting and um, uh, did a Catch the Vision tour. I met some pastors, one of whom really felt like it was God was burdening him uh, to support us. And this was a, a great church out of uh, Tennessee, and uh, which I'm sure you can appreciate. Yeah, go Titans. Yeah, you know, they're not, they're okay. <laughs> but man, God put on their heart to help us get a building. I, I mean, at, at being just a few months old with 30 people, I never would have thought about a building, but uh, yeah. they raised, uh, I mean, they gave so generously as well wow. as some of our other supporting churches, Grace Church being our sending church mm. um, and just, uh, you know, people rallying around getting something started. They gave us enough money to get a building, uh, wow. to, to get a down payment on a building, which I never thought would happen. Um, you know, we were literally six months old with 30 people and we were talking to, to people about, you know, trying to buy a building and um, a, a pet store came available. And by the time I gathered enough money to go talk to it, it had sold. And so I kind of started looking somewhere else. But miraculously, that fell through and the owner was willing to sell it to us cheaper than other people were offering to buy it. And we got a building which was unheard of. Uh, you know, for such a baby church to get a building, but we got a building on the biggest, most main road in Hyannis. It's uh, like the most traveled road, about a few blocks from the the only mall, uh, wow. the downtown center of the of the Cape, right right in the heart of Cape Cod. 
And um, we're, we're, our neighbor to our right is the largest middle school and the neighbor behind us is the, large, is the largest high school on the Cape. And so every family in this area drives right near this pet store that we've now been able to convert into a, uh, into a church. We just got into this building spent about two years renovating it slowly because, you know, it's Cape Cod and it's red tape and all that. But um, we met in the basement of another church. And I thought for sure meeting in the basement of another church was going to keep us from growing. But we were about 50 people when we moved in there and spent two years in that basement. And we left at about 150 people. Wow. Um, we moved into this, this building uh, um, about 10 months ago, uh, right around Easter time of last year of uh, 2019 and uh, man we've almost tripled in size in the last 10 months where oh my gosh. God, God is just bringing family after family in people that just drive by and, and are saying things like we didn't know there's a church here like how cool is this we had no clue um, the way that God is working in the hearts that to get the building open uh, you know to create it so we can find the loans that we could find the money that was miracles he, he kicked down just door after door that was shut in our face God just kicked them down and not only allowed us to buy a building, then he brought in key people to join a little church plant in the middle of nowhere. He was bringing in people with contractor experience and masonry experience and electrical experience, guys who came in at just the right time uh, to help us keep the building project going forward. It's not a coincidence. It's so God. And then to watch how he's rewarded that with just more people coming, getting saved, baptisms. I mean, we can't keep up with it. It's that is awesome. It, it just it's it feels like the widow lady with the oil that just keeps coming and you're running out of containers to catch it. It is it's so awesome. I can't tell you enough just how good God's been. Man, that so that is so cool. I mean it's cool too because I think when most people think of where you live, um, we don't go there with the mindset of asking ourselves what is God up to in this area. And so to just get a peek behind the curtain of what God is doing that in a sense, he's called you and Kaylee and your team to care for those who care for us while we're on vacation. <laughs> and that's so weird <laughs> how God is um, just working through the roots of, like you said, where, where the history of our country began. Um, that is, that's really profound, man. Um, well, after being a church planter for the past several years, especially this past year and just seeing, you know, since your grand opening, all that God has done, like, what are some of the surprises that you've seen? Maybe good and bad, whatever, however you interpret that. But what are some things that have surprised you the most about doing ministry in Cape Cod as a church planner? I mean, I think that first one just has to be, you, you know, the Bible verses, you know, God can do whatever he wants, but how limited our view is of what is possible. And so when God says he can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you can ask or think, uh, you don't really know what that means until you watch God take a group of 30 people and just bless them beyond anything they deserve. And then just say, just catch the souls that I'm going to send to you. So on the good side, God is so gracious and so awesome. Uh, and I, that continues to surprise me. I wish I could say it doesn't, but my faith is so small sometimes compared to how big God is. Mm. Um, on the other side, dude, I think, I think Steve, you, you might, you might be able to relate to this the same way I've been, I've been, continually surprised about how big the need is for a solid church. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're you would right. assume an area where people, you know, that where religion has, has got so many, so much tradition that, that people would at least have a, a basic understanding of who God is and, you know, the importance of it. I'm, I'm constantly surprised 
by how much people who come to church and I'll see them come for a few months when I finally get to you know know them and, and I'll hear questions and, and hear them say things that lets me know they've got no clue what any of this is about. This is the yeah. first, I'm talking to 50 and 60 year old adults who the last two months of going to our church is the first two months in their life they've ever been to a church. Wow. And I'm like, you live in America and you don't yeah. know any of this stuff. And that, that shouldn't surprise me. And after 15 years, you'd think I would have gotten used to it, but it, it's continually something that, uh, man, yeah. it, it blows me away. And for me personally, when God told me to plant, you know, here, I didn't, I didn't know the, the depth of the need. Um, I've been able to build some relationships. My heart was broken for people who are struggling with, uh, you know, addiction, especially heroin here on Cape Cod. Heroin is, insanely wow. uh, deadly. I mean, it's, it's uh, ranked right up there with New Bedford. We're the number one and number two spots in all of uh, Massachusetts for overdose deaths. I mean, it's bad. And, um, and the homelessness per capita, Cape Cod has more homeless people than uh, Boston. I mean, it's, it's, wow. you don't see it on, on postcards because that oh would gosh. hurt our tourism. Wow. So, you know, uh, when you sit there and think, what is it like to live here at a place with this beach? If you go a few, you know, minutes back into the woods behind that beach, you find a bunch of people living in tents there. Like, honestly, it's amazing how much Cape Cod has hurting people. And you just wouldn't see it if you didn't, didn't pull back the layers a little bit and dig in there. So those are all surprises that uh, I'm, I'm continuing to, to uncover. Yeah, I resonate with all of those. And just, you know, Josh and I do ministry really about 40 minutes from each other, not far. We've even talked about how there's some towns in the middle of us that we might one yeah. tag team plant together because we've got people or drawn from some of the same zip codes now. And, um, I, I can absolutely resonate, especially with the, just the overall need you go in a town that has had, has had, uh, religion in, in a certain sense for centuries, but, uh, incredible spiritual needs. And to try to explain that to some, you and I both have, uh, church partners, ministry partners in other parts yeah. of the country. And to try to explain to them that in 2020 in America, that we live in a part of the country with people um, in their 50s and 60s who have never been to a Bible-centered church in their life, it, it, they can't believe it. It's surreal. And, right? and when, they, when they're, you're absolutely right. I was talking to a church that honestly was a mega church, and their parking lot was touching the parking lot of another mega church. And I was trying to explain to him, I said, guys, it's not like this everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. I, I led a, a 75-year-old man to the Lord sitting at my dining room table. And he told me he, he only knew about Jesus from crucifixes, but didn't actually know why Jesus was ever on a cross. And uh, this guy wasn't like, you know, had just gotten here from some foreign country where Christianity's outlawed. He grew up his whole life on Cape Cod. The yeah. percentage of Christians is so low here that if you're, if you don't have one in your family or in your, you know, maybe it's your workplace that's willing to share the gospel, you can live your whole life in the United States of America and not hear about Jesus Christ. That, yeah. I don't think, like, I wouldn't have believed that when I was living in, in Missouri. I wouldn't have believed that. It Absolutely. just, it, it seems so different. You're, you're right, man. You're right. And um, we're seeing a new day. And that what's exciting is you and I are, are able to see uh, the exciting moments that take place when somebody that is our parents' age or sometimes even our grandparents' age hear the truth of the gospel for the very first time, like that is, that's an unmatched moment in ministry, you know? And I, I, we got to baptize uh, somebody that was 73 years old um, at our church plant uh, just last August, who, and that's the same age as my dad. 
Like what a special moment. Somebody that went their entire life without hearing about the gospel until that Sunday. Um, so you're right, man. That That's the exciting part about doing ministry, right? That's the exciting yes. part. Um, it, it, dude, it, it, changes, it changes everything when you see that played out in front of you. You read it or hear it, and it feels like something people are supposed to tell you. But when you actually meet somebody that says, hey, my, my backyard is broken and lost, yeah. and then you experience it, it's, it changes everything. It really does. Yeah, man. Well, I'm going to let you just for a few minutes uh, be the sage on the stage and just share um, in, your <laughs> That's probably wisdom, in, in three, in your few years as a church planter, three years, the infinite wisdom that you have. What are just three practical tips you might give? to any church planter that's listening or anybody that's a part of a church plant, or there might even be some people listening that are thinking about it one day and you can help them uh, to foresee what's, what's upcoming. What are some things you'd share? Oh man, that's a great question. I feel like I've learned so much um, and I'm still learning so much. I don't mean that arrogantly. I mean that like yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd take it from the angle of like, what would I wish somebody had maybe told me? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I wish that, um, I would have even, I I was blessed as you kind of already brought up to have been here for 10 years before I launched a church or started started plant church. Those relationships have made all the difference that I was able to build. And I mean that on two levels in my community. I mean, you know, coaching and hanging out, spending time, like actually learning your neighbor's name and, and, you know, you know, going over to a barbecue or whatever, that kind of stuff. And then being in your community and just meeting a lot of people not because they're believers and they go to church with you, but because they're apps, you know, most of them are atheist or agnostic or think there's something and don't really know. But those relationships with people that I actually built friendships with, um, that, that allowed me not only the credibility in the community, but it softened my heart for what people actually needed to hear. What, what, what did, what did the message of Harbor need to be? So I would say build relationships. And that's also on like a, a, on a professional level, I mean, my relationship with Sean Sears was huge in being able to plant, you know, get a church up and going. And then other pastors and uh, friends and people that poured into me and I could get advice from. So having churches to come alongside you, you know, be, belonging to a network like the BCME, belonging to a group of people where um, if that is something that comes available, you have relationships there. And then you have relationships in the town that you're, you're going to. That's, that's huge. If you can do that. Um, you know, that's, that'd be big. I would say that the second part of that would be to listen. Um, you know, you can't, you can't go in and tell everybody I'm starting this church and this church is going to do A, B, and C. Uh, they don't care. Yeah. And you, you've, you've, you've seen it. I mean, especially New England, they, they don't care how much, you know, that they, they, they want to know how much you care and mm. then, then they'll start to listen. So you listening to them, um, most of the people in my community, I think it would probably be the same in yours and most of New England, especially Massachusetts, they're skeptical of church after all the scandals, all of the hurt. Um, you know, they're not, they're not very trusting. You know, listen to that. Hear, hear them out. Hear why they don't like church. Hear why they mistrust religion um, so that you, you don't just come across as one more person, you know, feeding them the same thing they've, they've heard their whole life, um, you know hear hear what it means to see their side of it what what it is they think and i'm sure they have a misconception of who god is and who jesus christ is but listen to it so that you can actually address it i think a lot of guys show up and they're eager to tell everybody what they know and they haven't even heard from their community um and i would say i'd I'd end it with um i think you got to be patient without panic um it's um 
man, it, it doesn't, and this sounds kind of like, well, Josh, you know, like it seems like things are growing so crazy for you. Did you have to be patient? It, it is still, even if you experience a lot of great growth or, uh, I mean, some, some great blessings, it's not going to look the way you you thought it would look. Harbor doesn't look like what I thought it would look on a, on a good way because God did so much more, but also in a way where I had all these visions for what I was going to see it happen and how things were going to grow and which ministries were going to start. Um, we started ministries that, that weren't on my heart, but were necessary and God opened the door. And that is now three years in beginning to open up opportunities for me to see some of the ones I had planned from the beginning. And it's, it's not my timing, but I have to be patient. I think a lot of guys panic when things don't look exactly the way they had hoped. And so they lose heart or they begin to fight against what God's doing. And so I would, I'd recommend, man, just, you know, relax. Uh, like Jesus sleeping through the storm. Sometimes you just got to kick back and go, okay, it's not exactly what I want, but I'm trusting that there's something bigger happening here. So, man, so uh, that'd be my advice. I have a feeling somebody's listening right now and needs to hear that, that just that perspective of, thinking long-term, not short-term, knowing that you're here for the long haul. There's no, there's not deadlines on some of these things. We feel sometimes such an urgency that we move faster than God intends for us to. Um, that's oh, That's a good word. That's great, Stephen. You're absolutely right, man. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to give you a chance to, I have a feeling the people listening are already uh, with you on the idea of doing ministry in New England, but um, as if you were talking to uh, a new partner church in the South or someone that has no idea about the spiritual needs of New England and they know, all they know is you've lived all over and you could have chosen anywhere to move and to raise your kids and to plant a church. Just give us like not a lot, but like a 30 to 45 second, like why have you committed your life to doing ministry here in New England? Uh, I think a lot of guys want to quote statistics when they get asked this question. And yeah, it's spiritually dark and there's not a lot of believers and the, the statistics are really sad. But the, the thing that got me was New England was the original launching pad for Christianity in America. The pilgrims landed on Cape Cod. They settled in Plymouth. This was where, you know, revivals took place. This is where the colleges and the ministers, this is where all that stuff started. And as gospel, as God sent the gospel out and as, as, men and women took the news of Jesus Christ West. It left a void in New England. And I think Satan has had a stranglehold hmm. of darkness all over this, all over this countryside. I mean, especially in New England. And I'm excited to take it back. This is where it started. I want to see it come back alive. I want to see the light get like rekindled, relit. So that's, that's what really motivates me. Man. That is awesome, man. I feel the same way, man. And you said it so well. Um, yeah, I have a feeling that the people listening in with us share that same heart. Uh, let me ask one more thing. How could someone listening right now help your ministry in a, in a very specific, practical way? Uh, once again, I don't want to be cliche, but prayer, dude. I have seen so many things happen because people around the country were praying for us. Yeah. When I say buildings that were sold came available and God worked in the hearts of, of men and women to give and to show up and to just all, all the red tape we were able to get through, man, it's, it's because people prayed and I can't sell that short. I don't want that to sound like, Oh, you're supposed to say that. I mean it. Like you absolutely just beg God mm. to work in the hearts of the, the, the government, the leadership, the obstacles that every church planner is facing. Um, there's a lot of people that don't want to see uh, hope 
being brought to this area because, you know, devastation and despair, um, people are capitalizing on that and we're trying to fight against it. So definitely pray for us. And then also, man, if, if you're looking for a place to, to get, to get going, we, we need to plant more churches as fast as we can. I mean, we can leapfrog churches from here. We've got to get down the Cape, off the Cape. I'd love to meet between in the middle, like you said, between you and I, Stephen, get some churches planted that way all over the bridges. And we've got small groups going and people going there. I just need God to send us some men and women to uh, continue to rise up and, and, and take on these new campuses, these churches, these, you know, get some stuff planted um, and, and make that happen. That would be huge if people, oh, and you know, if they don't feel like coming to plant a church on Cape Cod, just tell their friends who are taking a vacation that there is a church on Cape Cod to yeah. visit while they're down here going to the beach. So that, that would also be helpful. It's all That's good. awesome, man. Well, hey, thank you so much. Again, we've been talking to Josh Adams, uh, who planted Harbor Church in Hyannis, Mass., and uh, he is down there. If you're ever down in the area on vacation, um, go and visit. Or if you want to learn more about his ministry, just hop online and Google his church and you'll find it quickly. God is doing really special things in Cape Cod. Man, thank you so much for your time, Josh, and for your insight. I know that I, I'm excited about what God's doing through your ministry. And like you said, our prayer is that this is just the beginning, that God's really the ripple effects of what's happening now. Um, are going to be, as Dave Ferguson said, that the fruit will grow on other people's trees eventually. Please, Lord. Uh, that's our prayer. <laughs> so thank you. Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time, man. Stephen, man, you killed it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to just uh, partner with you. I appreciate your friendship and uh, just getting the chance to share with people. I hope they hear my heart for Cape Cod and um, just definitely lean into whatever it is God's calling them to do. Bro, man, we need to we need to swap pulpits. You know, you come down and preach for me. I come up and preach for you. Yeah, my I'd people would finally get to hear you know good preaching. Your people would finally get to see a handsome pant pastor. It'd be it'd be a win win. Yeah, man, <laughs> I'd love that too, man. We'll we'll set that up sometime, okay? I do that. I love you. Thanks again. Love you. Thank you. Everybody. Right. Love you. Man, well, that was awesome. I love being able to chat with Josh just for a little bit over the phone and hear what God is doing. Uh, just 40 minutes southeast of me in Cape Cod. Uh, I love what he had to share as far as practical tips for all of us to really seek out knowing the people that you're trying to reach, listening to who they are, uh, listening to what they're passionate about, what they value, what are their needs that we as a local church might be able to reach. Uh, and then he just said, patient without panic, being patient and knowing that God's timing is often different than ours, especially when if you're on the front end of a ministry, if you're starting something new, you often want to move far faster uh, than God intends. So just being patient and trusting that God is at work. And while there is a spiritual urgency in living each day with the opportunity to share our faith with the people around us, uh, we can't outrun God on this. And so being patient and trusting him with each and every step. Well, I hope you were encouraged uh, and, and able to enjoy hearing great insight from a great leader in Josh. Again, that's Josh Adams. Uh, he is the pastor of Harbor Church in Hyannis, Massachusetts. Um, look him up online if you're interested in learning more about his ministry. And stay tuned for future podcasts as we continue to share stories of all the good things God is doing all over New England. Thank you again for tuning in. I'm Stephen, and I look forward uh, to doing more of these in the future. Thanks, guys.